1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. My name is Richard the Razor Ewing. It is on the hour where we do this thing on the Believe Talent Network called Game Face. You might have heard of it. So if you're on right now, and if you're trying to figure out a better way to get uh, your engine degreased, you're on the wrong podcast. But if you're looking to figure out what type of niche you need to have for fashion sense, once again, you're on the wrong network. But if you're trying to find information regarding Bay Area sports, and I mean, from top to bottom, doesn't matter. We cover it all. I mean, basketball, football, NHL, and even college sports. Welcome to Game Face. As I said, I am Richard DeRaiso. I'm your host. I'm on with my main man, Mike Shoe Schumann Mike, what do we got?
0: Well, we, uh, as usual, a high-level guest today. And, of uh, mm-hmm. course, as you mentioned, Bay Area sports. This young man, uh, born in Chicago, grew up in L.A. And uh, you might have seen him on ESPN years ago, NBC Bay Area, Comcast Sportsnet. KTVU here in the Bay Area of the Fox, and he's the voice of the Stanford football and men's basketball. Scott Reese joins us today. Scott, thanks for checking in.
2: Yeah, no, I'm glad to be a part of it, guys. Although, uh, Richard, I I question when you say that you can't get fashion sense here, because Sue is nothing if not a walking fashion statement.
0: Well, if you saw me on our our Zoom broadcast here, I've had a haircut in six months, and uh, not quite (laughs) what you're used to seeing out of me, Scott. All right, let's get right to it, though. College football is the story of the week. We've kind of jumped ahead of, you know, the NBA going into the bubble, Major League Baseball trying to get it going. And uh, so this week we're talking college football. Power Five conferences are meeting this week, and today it came out, Dan Patrick reported that the Big Ten has decided, he, he said cancel the season in a 12-2 to vote. Nebraska and Iowa voted to play. But then it came out a little later that they were thinking maybe about postponing it, not canceling it to the spring. So now the ACC, the SEC, the Pac-12, of course, and uh, the Big 12 all have to make those decisions. So we've already had lesser conferences. The MAC pulled out. They're not going to play football this year in the fall. So a lot of major decisions to be made here in the next couple of days. And Scott, you uh, went to Stanford. You're still working for them, as we mentioned. And they dropped 11 varsity sports about three months ago. So they were a little ahead of the curve. And the Pac-12, you know, has a representative from each team almost, almost like they're a union and demanding a lot of things out of Commissioner Larry Scott. But let's start with Stanford. Were you surprised when they dropped the 11 sports earlier uh, this year?
2: Uh, you know, I think when it actually happens, it, it, it's a shock to the system, right? Uh, I, I didn't know that was in the offing. But when you stop to think about it, not entirely surprising. Uh, and, and the thing about – the 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 enormity of it, it- don't let's not make the mistake of assuming that this was just COVID-related. I think this might have been an eventuality. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that the model that Stanford had been had been using for all these years was really sustainable. Um, you know, 36 varsity sports between men and women, which was more than any other Power 5 program. In fact, Ohio State was the only other school, even in the ballpark of that many sports. And as you guys know, the economics are, you know, it's a thing, right? I mean, football is the driver, brings in a ton of money. Men's basketball is a moneymaker. Nothing else makes money. And and so you're talking about a whole lot of sports at Stanford that were, you know, basically pulling on the purse strings. And at some point they realized, you know what, this is not sustainable. And if we want to, you know, keep everything uh, level, uh, we, we've, we've got to make some tough choices. So I think there's a chance this would have happened anyway. And I think that perhaps COVID gave them, I don't want to say the excuse, but the impetus to, to, to do it sooner rather than later.
1: Well, let me ask you something, Scott, because – You touched on that. You touched on the fact that, you know, Stanford Athletics, you know, probably this is something probably brewing in the back room and it was talked about for some time and finally they had a reason to go ahead and do it. You know, we just recently had, you know, uh, The court system allowing student athletes to be able to get paid from building their own brand. And we know that student athletes have been really uh, Subject and have been not really happy with the system as a whole. And one of the reasons why is because you get these student athletes, who go out and give it, they're all out on the playing field. And yet the only real uh, money that they see is just in their ability to stay in the classes. But we also know the NCAA has made billions of dollars for years off of the, the you know, the on the court or on the field play of these students. Do you kind of see a shift in the way, uh, the way these athletes can get paid now? Yeah, I
2: mean, it's coming, right? And I think we've all known this was coming and it was just a question of when. Um, And and again, I think COVID has... Sort of accelerated, um, the change of college sports of, of quote unquote amateur athletics. Um, and you know, the, the name image likeness that you reference, you know, that, that was, that was coming already even before COVID, right? And, and, you know, we saw California do it, we saw Florida do it, and then we saw the NCAA kind of realizing that, you know, they had to keep up with it, can't fight it any longer. So, you know, that was going to become a thing. But, you know, when you start talking about revenue sharing, when you start talking about guys getting paid to play – that's an entirely different argument, and that was not coming—at uh, least not now. Um, Pac-12 players are asking for it, right? That—that that whole "We Are United" movement that started, that came out last Sunday—you know—that was part of their "quote-unquote" demand list. Was 50/50 revenue split? But that was a non-starter. Obviously, there's no chance that happens. Um, and and we could talk for days about the pros and cons of you know should athletes, college athletes, get paid? And I understand the arguments both ways. I will say that you know when you say that they don't get anything except you know what they they. they get I I would argue to me and I'm not saying I'm not gonna I'm not telling you that you know there's not room for movement I'm not saying that there's no room for the the argument that they deserve more you know a piece of the pie but I don't believe that all they get is you know a scholarship I mean you're talking about four or five years of education completely paid for. You're talking room and board. So, I mean, what's the monetary value on that? Could be upwards of, you know, $150,200 in terms of monetary value. You get first-class training facilities. You get, you know, your food, your meals taken care of. You get to go on the road and stay in five, five five-star hotels, you know, and oh, by the way, you get to, you know, be revered and treated like a God for four years on campus and have probably a pretty tremendous college experience for free. So, Again, I'm not saying they may, maybe they don't somehow deserve more and deserve a slice of the pie, but the idea that these guys are not getting anything is completely ludicrous to me because I disagree with that. Well,
0: I agree with you on that also, but I will give the Pac 12 credit of all the uh, Power Five conferences. They almost wanted to create like a college football players association. Right, you know, right. Each team had a representative and. You know, so it, it, it was an opportunity to break this NCAA paradigm of how they're running amateur sports. But I agree with you that, uh, I mean, lightness and things of that nature, but getting revenue split, that's going to be tough. But before right, we get right. to, to all that is, are they going to play college football this season? I think they've waited now too long to come up with the protocols. Jim Harbaugh was saying today that he's got – a. a Protocol. Nick Saban says, and Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback of Clemson, that the players are safer on campus because they won't be running around, but you can't sequester them for four months of an NFL season. So you, oh, I know, right. the, and all of us see college football be uh, on the gridiron this year, but I just don't see how, uh, I, you know, and you're, we're seeing a little of it in baseball, Scott. Football, you're face-to-face on the offensive defensive line. There's no way that COVID is just not going to take off in the sport of football because of the fluids being exchanged. What's your feeling on whether or not college football will be on the gridiron this year?
2: I, I am fairly certain it will not be on the gridiron in 2020. Um, I am hopeful that they will figure out a way and there are so many landmines to sidestep logistically, but I, I am hopeful they will figure out a way to do it in the spring so that at least this academic year can have some semblance of college football and we can get into what those landmines are. Um but it just, you know, to me at this point and what you've got to remember with all this, and, and I don't know how many of the fans, you know, they hear about coaches lobbying one way and players lobbying. And you hear about pack, uh, conference commissioners and you hear about athletic directors and, and yet they're all involved. But at the end of the day, this comes down to university presidents, right? University presidents have the final word. This is about co- colleges, not necessarily college sports at the end of the day. And look, Is this about player safety? Absolutely. But as much as anything, if not more, this is about optics and it's about liability and university presidents are rather conservative by nature. And when you're talking about the liability, you know, God forbid, you know, you have the one in a, you know, 10,000, I don't know what the odds are, but you know, that a 20 year old gets COVID and actually does get really sick from it or heaven forbid, you know, even worse. And you're talking about, you know, Right, right. And then you're talking about that that is the worst case scenario that would keep these university presidents up at night, and that's what they're protecting against. So, you know, I believe that there is a way if you have sufficient testing, and I don't know that they do, but if you did have sufficient testing, like I think the NFL will, because look, it's, it's no more dangerous for college kids to play football than it is for NFL players to play football, right? I mean, it's the same level of danger, it's the same level of risk. I understand the pros are getting paid, and it, so it's it's a different paradigm, but that's what I mean by optics. Um, so I believe there is a way they could try and do it if they had sufficient testing and measures in place but at the end of the day I just don't think the university presidents are gonna let that happen
1: so let me ask you Scott who, who, who comes up with you know cuz you talked about you know the president's making those decisions and whatnot uh, obviously testing in my opinion is probably the best way to go about it. I think you're right I think I think if you, if you have you know uh, 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 you know frequent amount of testing to make sure that individuals are not sick or sick Where would this come from? In other words, who would make that decision? Who would come up and say, okay, you know what? We're going to allocate this many tests for this season, this year. Where would that come from? Well, in football,
2: it has to come from the conferences. Uh, It has to start with the conferences. But even at that level, you know, a lot of that trickles down to the individual schools, you know, and it's it's sort of like the model that we seem to have employed here in the U.S. where, you know, we're not going to have a federal plan and get everybody on the same page. We're just going to leave it up to the states. Right. The The NCAA doesn't have that jurisdiction over football. They do over every other sport, but they don't with football. So, you know, the NCAA can't cancel college football. The conferences cancel college football, so you know it has to start with conferences. But you know a, a big part of that is the individual schools, and, and and this is the reason why you know it's one thing when you see you know the MAC cancel the season or the Mountain West cancel the season because a it's not as financially devastating as it is the Power Five. There's not as much money involved, but B they perhaps and I don't know the finances of each school in each contract uh, in each uh, conference but I do know that there are a lot of schools out there who can't afford to pay for the kind of testing that you would need. And, you know, most of those schools are going to be the group of five schools, the lower division schools. I would imagine Alabama can afford to have as much testing as they need. (laughs) right? So, you know, not a level playing field, you know, different schools, uh, different situations. Um, But, you know, I would, it's disappointing to me if in fact, power five schools cannot afford all the testing they would need that's very disappointing to me because the money they're going to lose from not playing far outweighs anything you could come up with in terms of testing costs so it's disappointing that they were, there was no unified effort to figure all this out and i you know i think that if the power five got together and had a really good plan in place six weeks ago for how we're going to test and how we're all going to do it the same way, you know, maybe we'd be having a different conversation right now, but that just hasn't happened. And obviously, you know, the players are upset about it because that was part of the whole We Are United movement last week.
0: Well, and that's my problem. This should all been taken care of in May, you know, not right. here two weeks before we're going to camp. UCLA, for right. instance, wanted a third-party medical testing staff. They had eight players test positive, and Larry Scott, I, I know him a little bit, I'm just, I know that a lot of the PAC-12 schools are not happy with him as the commissioner. And uh, so I just think, like you said, in these mid-level conferences, you know, they depend on facing Alabama or USC for a exactly. payday, you know, and exactly. so they're... But not having interconference games, they just realize right there, like you just mentioned, that they're not going to be able to afford anything. So I just think it's going to be a little domino effect and at the Big Ten. And I don't know about you guys, I don't want to see football in the spring. Just blow it off for 2020 and let's get back to it, you know, in 2021. You know, because then that upsets the rest of the schedule of all the other spring sports. And uh, I, I don't know, I just think it's tough. I feel bad for seniors in high school who are moving, you know, aren't going to get to play the senior year or seniors who are going on to their freshman year in college and aren't Mm -hmm. going to have that natural experience also. I mean, I don't know. What do you think?
2: You know, Shu, I, so personally, selfishly, I want them yeah. to play in the spring. It's my right. livelihood. <laughs> right. And not, but not well, only that, I am well, also, I'm also hey, Scott. Uh, Scott. Scott.
1: We got to tip yeah. our hat to you, brother, because we get it. Okay. Look, this is what you do. So if it's not yeah. there, yeah. Then you can't do it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, I want to have a job. <laughs> you know, right. Call me crazy, uh, but but you know, even beyond that, as a fan, um, I would rather see college football played even under watered-down circumstances that it would be in the spring than not played at all. I I talked about the landmines earlier and, 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 you know, you sort of touched on this, but I mean, there there are some major problems. A, um, you're asking these guys to play potentially two seasons within, you know, assuming they play a normal fall right. next year, which, you know, we can't take right. for granted, but if they do, you're talking about playing two seasons within, you know, seven months. And obviously that's, you can attest to, you know, what that does to the body. And obviously that's problematic. Um, the NFL draft is a major problem because anybody right. who has any inkling of being a first or second day draft pick isn't going to go anywhere close to a college football field in April, right. <laughs> and, and risk their, their draft status. So what you'd wind up having is a lot of freshmen and sophomores, you know, playing football, but is that terrible? Would I still want to see that? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I would, it would be a different look. There would be somewhat of an asterisk and I think we'd all accept it, but if we can accept a runner on second base to start the 10th inning and seven inning double headers, can we not accept, you know, a bunch of freshmen and sophomores playing college football for, for, for one season? I'd still like to see it.
0: That's I understand. And then I can just see your schedule. you'll be calling the Stanford game football at one o'clock. Running over to Maples Pavilion to call yeah. the basketball game
2: that night at 7 o'clock. So, <laughs> you know what? La- Last year, I actually called a game in Boulder, Colorado, a noon kickoff for football. And we flew back after the football game, got to campus around 8 o'clock, and I did the second half of the basketball game at Maple. So if I could do it in two different states, heck, I'll yeah. do it on the same campus. No you, you problem. You should be able to do it there.
0: All right, I, I I don't know about you guys, but uh, when the Big Ten uh, the Big Ten kind of looks like they're going to step down, and the yeah. SEC thinks that they're like a professional football team. They think yeah, they can play. and <laughs> yeah. if they can't, and Nebraska says, "Hell, we'll play in the SEC this year." You know that. And but this is the difference in college and the pros. In the pros, the players get to pick if they want to play or not and opt out, and college players can too. But I think it's a little different situation there. And whereas a guy like Nick Saban, he's going to power through and we're going to play until they tell us not to. So for the student, college student, I'd hate to be a college student right now and or a coach, but uh, that's a tough choice you have to make too, you know, because everybody at that age thinks they're invincible. So they're yep. going to say, yeah, I'm going to play. Uh, do you think you'll have a lot of college students? Because uh, I don't think they'll lose a year of eligibility if they opt out. I think more college guys will stick around and play than maybe the pros. What do you think?
2: I, I think they will, um, because, you know, we've already, we've seen. A few big name college players already say, you know, I won't do it. I'm opting out. But it hasn't, the floodgates haven't opened by any stretch, no, right? I don't know of any Stanford players yet who have come out and said, you know, I'm opting out. In fact, are there any Pac 12 players who have come out? You know, and maybe they're waiting to see it get started and then they start to think more seriously about it. Um, but no, I, I think that you're right. It's just a different circumstance. It's a different time of your life. You know, you're invincible. And also, you know, these kids, like, this is their everything, right? I mean, these kids want to play and you see the yeah. movements. On Twitter today with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and some of these guys, it's not just the coaches Saban and Harbaugh and and whoever else coming out. It's a lot of the players, and they've been. This is you know since last night, right? Since all the rumors started circulating about the big the Big Ten uh, postponing or canceling, the players are coming out saying we want to play. So you know the one thing I take issue with along the way is so many people saying that this is you know exploitative, right? You know you're the kids aren't getting paid and you're making them play, you know at at their own risk. Nobody's making them do it. These kids no. want to play, you know, and I think you have to take that into account. They're going to be bummed, you know, as bummed as anybody if the season is canceled. And this is being taken away from them, and they don't want that.
1: Well, this is this is the other part, Scott. The other part is this, and, you know, Shu and I have been talking about this for several months now. And one of the things that I've related to Shu, and Shu actually related to me, and that is that, you know, as much as we like sports, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I've, I've been seeing this almost every week now. Um, you know, I, I played sports, watched sports, I coached it. Um, you know, even had to, even had the chance to go to your alma at Stanford and I actually met John Elway down there once. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that really bothers me is this: is that as much as I enjoy sports, just like the next guy, and I enjoy watching it. You know, I've been watching the NBA bubble pretty pretty closely the last couple of weeks. Um, but one thing that does bother me is that I, I got a problem with the idea. That even though these kids do want to play, you know that that if they make that decision to do that, and all of a sudden for whatever reason they test positive for COVID nineteen, and something happens, and all of a sudden they pass away, okay? Oh yeah, it's a disaster. Sure. Or or if they take the virus home to one of their loved ones and they catch, of course. See, that's that's where you know the the human the human you know, I guess gene if you will of me wakes up. You know, it makes me say Mm -hmm. what. Yep. i got a real problem with that happening because I feel like, you know what, this happened at a cost higher than I can imagine. And as much as yep. I enjoy being entertained by sports, i got a problem with people playing sports and dying just to entertain guys like me. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? Yep,
2: yeah, of course. And, and I totally understand this argument, you know, and, and I completely get it. And, and, you know, I guess my response would be, you know, on some level, the NFL is going to play or at least try to play. Right. Right. And I don't know that is anybody having this conversation about the NFL? The an NFL player is no less likely than a college football player to have that one in, you know, 100,000. I don't know what the odds are, but the God forbid worst case circumstance that you get it, you have bad complications and maybe somebody dies from it or you pass it on to a relative. The NFL is not going to be in a bubble. So, I mean, it's in terms of the risk to the person, it's identical. Now, I understand on a college campus you're talking about maybe it's more of a super spreader thing because they're going to intermingle and they're going to go to parties and this and that. And for me, that comes down to, you know, it, how much do you trust these players? You know, and, and I'm biased because I think that at a place like Stanford, I trust that these guys wouldn't be – I don't want to use the word stupid about it, but I think they wouldn't be. I think they would be really smart about what, how they handle this. And I think that they would stay amongst themselves. They wouldn't be going home until after the season and hanging out with grandma and grandpa, you know, and and the other part of that obviously is testing. So I totally understand the argument both ways. It's like choosing between two, it's it's two bad options, right? You're either doing what you love and making everybody happy at a risk. We don't know how much risk, but some risk, or you shut it down and there's no risk and yet Everybody's miserable. (laughs) So, like, you know, there's no good choice here. But I will say this the Saban argument is one that I've been making for months, which is I believe that these kids are a heck of a lot safer on campus under the eyes of their coaches, being tested regularly, and being on a regimen as opposed to being at home doing distance learning for college in their hometown bored and cabin fever and no purpose and they're not doing what they normally do and what are they going to do they're going to go out they're going to socialize they're not going to wear masks they're going to go to bars they're going to go to parties and i believe that's a you know a, you got more likely of these kids getting there than you do if they're under the watchful eye of their coaches and in terms of the football aspect and again sure you can comment on this and you know as well as anybody i understand they're swapping and spit and i get that's where the danger lies and that's why I come back to the testing. If you can't if you can test them to a point where you feel good about it, then they shouldn't be doing it. Absolutely they shouldn't be doing it. But if you can test them to a point where it makes it, you know, a low enough risk, and there's always risk, but a low enough risk, then I can see a path to playing. And I think that's what people are starting to say now.
0: Well, I think that bubble mentality is working in the NBA. National Hockey League has not had one positive in two different cities in their bubble. Unfortunately, right. like Francis, the Pac-12, but we can find some area that has six football fields and you could have to, you know those six games every weekend that would be ideal but i i kind of agree with you and saban cuz we talked to Mark Spears down in the bubble he said he's never felt safer you know so yeah i think there's some real uh you know validity to that now this just came out Pac 12 ADs and coaches met with Larry or meeting with Larry Scott tonight League presidents mm-hmm. expected to vote tomorrow. Uh, we're taping this on Monday night, Tuesday. Whether the Pac-12 will postpone the fall season, delay, or proceed, I would, I would bet a delay, like you said, Scott, would probably be yeah. the way to go. Is do it in the spring because then you have a chance to get set up, see if we can find a vaccine, and uh, I think it'd be safer for everybody involved.
2: Yeah, and I think that's I'm almost positive that's the way that they're going to go. You know, again, this is a this is a risk averse group. Right. Uh, And understandably so. But, you know, you're talking about university presidents. And, you know, I think that if this were a decision, if, if the vote were among coaches, you might get a different result. You know, but I think it's, you know, it's not. Um, The interesting thing to me, guys, and, and, you know, we'll get clarification, obviously, on this when something is officially announced. But the words canceled and postponed have been used almost interchangeably with each of these reports about these conferences, that so-and-so, this conference is going to cancel, this conference is going to postpone. And those two words do not mean the same thing, (laughs) right? You know, if you're canceling it for the...
1: Scott, I thought I was the only person who, who pointed that out or at least thought about it, but I'm yeah. glad you made that a made because that people do think it's the same, and it's
2: not. No, it's it's not the same thing. If I hear the season is canceled, that means they're not playing this academic year. If, if they say postponed, that means they're going to try and do it in the spring. Those are two very different uh, circumstances, and obviously you know, if and when the Big Ten, Pac-12, and anybody else makes that announcement, I would assume they will clarify, but it's, it's, it's just interesting to me how those two words have been used kind of interchangeably.
0: And I think for precedence, like you mentioned earlier, the liability is, you know, you get through exactly. the college because their, chil- their children died because COVID. But they can eliminate that by signing waivers, you know. So college players, pro players can sign waivers, opt out. And in college, I understand they're not going to lose a year of eligibility. But, you know, if I'm a head coach and, you know, 50, 55 of my 60 players are on, those five players are opted out. It's just human nature to look at it in a negative light. So it wouldn't be fair, you know, to any
2: of that. So. I, I think the easy decision is to cancel it, you know, and, and, and obviously it's not easy and that's an oversimplification. And it's a hugely costly, it, it's a costly and it, it's, it makes a lot of people unhappy. But it's a lot easier to do the safe thing than it is to say, you know what, we're going to give this a go and to put your butts on the line. That's the hard decision. And I don't think they're going to make the hard decision. Safe and
0: sorry. All right, let's move over to uh, one of Richard's favorite stories yesterday. The Astros getting beat up on the field and uh, in the dugout uh, by the A's. The A's, one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. And I think they won nine straight. And, uh, it's kind of fun. Uh, I mean, it's, they've always been fun, but they're finally getting more attention than the Giants. Uh, so what do you think about the A's run here, Scott?
2: I love them. I love them. I think they're a World Series caliber team. Uh, I think that Jesus Lazardo is the next budding young star pitcher in the American League. Uh, And, you know, they've done this up until about, what, four or five days ago you know, shoe that they, you know, even before they, they really get, they, they, they hadn't hit, right. I mean, they they hadn't hit at all until four or five days ago. And now finally the bats are coming alive as you knew they would. So um, this team really has, they, they check every box, I think in terms of what you want for a, a, you know, a pennant caliber team, starting staff is really, really good. Bullpen is really good. Lineup, you know, top, top to bottom, great tons of versatility, tons of depth, uh, you know, guys, multiple position, right-hand power, left-hand power. So I, I love this A's team. I think you look at the, the – I think there's still somebody told me, like, 22-1 to 1 or something to win the World Series. And I'm thinking, man, if I was a guy who was a sports gambler, I'd be all over that. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, I really like this team.
1: <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. You didn't see that. shoe pointing at himself when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> I took that bad. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. But, but this is the thing. When you, when you think about it, and Shoe and, and I have talked about the A's a lot. And one of the things we've said about them, is that we have never seen a team that when it comes to getting paid revenue, they're the lowest the lowest revenue receiving team in the MLB. And yet every year they're constantly competitive. It's amazing. Um, but you're right. I, I look at the age and I think, okay, you know what? Novin, Novin has has he has basically tapped the the basically the, the the silverado of of the gold mine at this point for the season these guys are on okay and guess what when you think about it it's like you look at Houston and you look at what happened last year they won everything then it come to find out okay they were cheating and now it's like okay you know what because you're Houston because you did what you did guess what you are a target now If you come into any state, look, we're going to beat the crap out of you because of what you did. And the A's did just that. The weekend came and they just beat the crap out of of Houston. And guess what? And and Houston left with a black eye. And now they're trying to figure out, okay, what do we do now? It's like, well, we're going to play the lowly Giants. Maybe we can limp through that. And you feel for Dustin Dustin Baker right now because you you realize, okay, Dusty, I know you're at the helm. I know they did this. But guess what, brother, (laughs) you kind (laughs) of – You're you're pulling up the back end right now because everybody's going to lay into you because of what happened last season.
2: Well, and he's just. I mean, look, they're lucky. There's no fans. I mean, yeah. they're they're almost they're almost getting a free pass on this because I like, can imagine the abuse that these guys would be taking every night in every ballpark by fans, by local media in each of the cities and everything else. So you know, they, it's almost like they skirted you know the worst of this. Uh, and obviously, you know, we saw the A's take matters into their own hands. But I, I agree with you. They they are. I, I think not only do, do the A's have everything, the wind at their back, so to speak. But I think you know the headwinds of the Astros, just in terms of karma. I just, I believe in karma. And I believe that, you know, you could argue that they stole a world series and I'm down here in LA this weekend. And I promise you, the folks here believe that. Uh, And I just, I think that the A's win the division and, you know, I don't know if this is the permanent changing of the guard in terms of the West, you know, when you talk about the next two, three years, but, but it may very well be that as long as they can keep this Oakland team together. And I think this year, the A's absolutely win that division.
0: All right, Scott, we really appreciate your time, buddy. I know you're taking a little family outing with the uh, down to L.A. And uh, hopefully, for your sake, Stanford football and basketball will be back soon so we can hear your dulcet tones on the
1: air. And uh, <laughs> we appreciate your time,
2: Just got to no, keep me off the wait, street. Wait, wait, that, that's keep, what it there is, you go.
1: We can't just go. We got to talk about the PGA. Come on. There was a huge thing, Harding Park, yesterday – and okay. You you climbed all over me about this when we got well hurt.
0: <laughs> the former Cal guy that I'm talking about to this Stanford guy, Colin
2: Martin. That's all right. Credit credit where old. credit is due.
0: He won his first major. Uh, he, Jack, and Tiger are the only three to win their first major before twenty or at twenty three years old. There was seven players tied at ten under with five holes to go. He chips in for birdie on 14, drives the par 416 Eagles at, and wins his first major. He's uh, only missed one cut this year. He's a rare guy who went to all four years at Cal, all four years All-American. And it was just a great story. And I know you were traveling, Scott, so you didn't get a chance to see a whole lot of. But Harding Park stood up to the big boys, and uh, it was we're not
1: having any fans out there, although Steph Curry got to go out. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, funny
0: that. Oh, no,
1: hey, let's keep it real, guys. When you're Steph Curry, there's not much. You can go wherever there. you want. I mean, come nah, on. That's,
0: that's a bad look for the BGA when they're saying no fans are there
1: and they're letting some
0: superstar out there. So, <laughs> well, no, not- but, but
2: he, was, he was scouting for Holy Moly 3 next season, so it's all good. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> well, that's very good. But they are in talk about doing a PGA event <laughs> there with Curry and Harding. So. But just a great story with Colin Morikawa. Uh,
1: I could not believe it when he hit the eagle, though. I was like, are you serious right now? Well, they he just – uh, They had – what was it? Uh, Dave Fleming had came out. Yeah. Yep. He thinks – he thinks that that was probably the greatest shot in PGA history. It, it
0: might have been. It was uh, the drive was like, to a four. Are you
1: serious right now? Really? Really? Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hey,
2: you know what? But I'm glad you brought that up because props to, to Flem for getting to call his first PGA major. Like, how cool is that? I mean, you know, yeah. he this is a guy who just, I, he had my job, right? I mean, I, I took the Stanford duties over from Flem when he got too busy and too big time and, you know, doing the Giants and doing the ESPN stuff. And he's one of the best in the business. And now he gets That's to do cute. a golf major. I mean, I, you know, great, kudos to him for getting the opportunity and nailing him. That was great. Well,
0: I was surprised because when I saw Jay Fleming, I just assumed that wasn't him. And then when I heard his voice, I was like, wait How he get this gig? You know, So, yeah. all right. So we got it all covered. And, Scott, thank you so much. And uh, keep doing the great stuff you're doing on air. And uh, well, we'd love to have you on again at another time. Okay,
1: Thanks, guys. Well, Appreciate
2: it. Good, yeah, good by time. The way,
1: yeah, and by the way, Scott, like he said, we'd love to have you back on. We're going to go ahead and close this out. Uh, I am Richard i going along with Mike the Shoe We have Scott Reese, the voice of Stanford uh, uh, Athletics, on with us on Game Face at the Believe Talent Network. Tune in next Monday evening because if you do, we'd love to have you, but you better have your Game Face on. <laughs>